Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph brings a message entitled, Drunk on the Holy Spirit. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 today. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. As we make our way there, we're going to get there through 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So go to 2 Chronicles 20 in the Old Testament, and it'll kind of be a story that will lead into uh, what we're going to be talking about in Ephesians. As you approach the Bible, if you're new in your walk with the Lord, one of the things that you need to to, to get comfortable with is the history of the Old Testament. You know, you, you start out in Genesis and basically you read the creation story. Then you skip all of the, you know, the, the genealogies. This guy is the father of this guy is the father of this guy. You know, you just skip it and just get into Exodus and begin to read the history there. You jump into Deuteronomy, skip Leviticus because it's all of the, you know, the laws and all of that and get into just know the history. But then you then you you jump ahead to to first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, and you've read the history of the Old Testament. The prophets all fit somewhere in the timeline you've just read. But as you read that history, the thing that you will be touched by the most is the the mercy of God, and on the other hand, the discipline of God. And you'll see that as as people walked with the Lord, usually because they had a leader that had integrity then God would move in and begin to bless the people. But as the people would turn away from the Lord, then the Lord would turn away from the people, and, and, and there was tragedy that happened many, many times. Sometimes as the people would turn to the Lord, you would see the Lord be there with them, and, and then you'd see crisis come into their life. You'd see enemies come on the, on the horizon, but then the Lord would come to defend them. And, and that's the story that we're going to look at today, and it, it fits with just, we're, we're actually talking about worship as we get into this. I, I usually like to tell this story. You know, I'm a preacher. I like to talk. But it's worth reading, and it's worth marking your Bible up a little bit, and so that's why we're going to do this this morning. It says in verse 1 of Second Chronicles chapter 20, After this, the armies, well, actually, after this means that there had been a king who did some very evil things and, and took the nation very far away from God. And then there's a, his grandson rises up and turns the people back to the Lord, and wondrous things begin to happen. And it says, after this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. This is people who are coming from what would be modern-day Saudi Arabia. They are already at Hazazan Tamar. This is another name for a place called En Gedi. Jehoshaphat, the king, was alarmed by the news, and he sought the Lord for guidance. He expected God to speak to him and direct him. He also gave orders that everyone throughout Judah should observe a fast. So the people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord. Now, this is interesting because this is the model for what Abraham Lincoln did at the outset of the Civil War 
And after a couple of the major losses that the Union sustained in the Civil War twice, he called the nation to take a day off from work and to have a fast, a day of repentance and prayer, seeking the Lord, because he believed that that would change the course of history, as did Jehoshaphat here. In verse 5, Jehoshaphat stood before the people of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed, and O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You alone are ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful. You are mighty. No one can stand against you. O Lord our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple for you. And they said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war or disease or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. And we can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. Now, do you, do you notice what he's doing? He's, he's actually honoring the Lord and thanking the Lord for his faithfulness. And he's positioning himself as, as somebody who's in, in a spot where I'm, there's a crisis and I'm doing what has been set up to do. In other words, I think the guy is just pumping up his own faith here. And I think every so often we need to do that. We need to stop and, and just analyze the world we live in and analyze the things that have gone on in our life and what has God done and just kind of get ourselves back in line, get ourselves in order where, where we're anticipating the goodness of the Lord. You know, about, it's getting on to almost two years ago now, I came to a place where I had a real rock in the road. I had a, a, a huge anxiety attack and I, I ended up depressed and broken. I mean, I was at a point, I don't know if everybody realizes it. It was, it was two years ago this coming Easter. On the Wednesday before Easter, I was sitting in staff meeting thinking, there's no way in the world I'm going to be able to even stand up there on this weekend. I was so shattered. And, and the Lord intervened in my life. And I look back now and I thank God that that happened to me because it really caused me to step back and take a look at my life and to realize how I had begun to become a, really a humanist. I, I was dependent upon Ralph. And I knew the Bible, but, but it, was, it was the Bible in my hands. It wasn't me in God's hands. Does that make sense to you? And as I, as I was, was coming through this, and, and, and it was a struggle. At one point, I, I, my wife began to to find little things in that, that little uh, daily Bible thing that we give you, that, that scripture reading thing that we give out once a month. There's a page in there that used this scripture and, and quoted some of what we're going to read in a little bit. And, and it, it just reminds you that it's God's problem. It's God's show. And so she found two or three of these little things and she, she cut them out. I still have them taped to my bathroom mirror to, to remind me this is all about the Lord. And and, and, and as I was going through this, one of the things that, that happened was I, I began to, it was like, I actually felt like I, I heard the Lord speaking into my mind, you know, just his thoughts. When did I ever let you down? And I began to just go back over my own life and the, and the crises in my life, the times that I've been just absolutely freaked out of my mind. Of course, none of you have ever been in a spot like that. It, it all looked dark. There is no glimmer of light. There's no possibility of things changing. 
And then the Lord did something unusual, something that, you know, there's ways that you get out of problems, but then there's other ways that you get out of problems and you, and you know God had to have done this because this is just weird. And I begin to, I, I keep a journal and I begin to write down some of the, the, the crisis points in my life and I, I just, be, just begin to pump up my faith. And I came to a place where I had just the, the emotional strength to say, I'm choosing to trust the Lord here. Put, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket and I'm putting them in his front porch. I'm just going to let God do whatever he can do and I'm going to go with the flow. And as I did, not only did I come out of what I was going through, but there were some crises that we were in. As a church, we were in this huge conflict with the city over this stairwell to heaven thing, if you remember. And I had somebody, I won't name him, but it wasn't the mayor, but it was very close. Uh, just tell me, well, you know what? We want you to know that we have the power to condemn your property, take it away from you, and rent it back to you. And we'll put as many cars up there as we want to. This was going on while I was freaking out. And if I could tell you and take the time to tell you how that thing all sorted itself out, you look around and you go, this is God. This is God. He never fails us. He never lets us down. Well, moving on here, in verse 10 it says, Now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they've come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. O oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. You ought to underline those last two sentences. We are powerless against this mighty army. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. You know, you're not in a bad spot when you come to a place where you realize that I can't get the job done. You know, I am not a person who's standing up here saying, don't plan, don't think, don't, you know, reason through things. What I am saying is, do all that, but then recognize the limitations on your life and the power that God has to do things for you and to work and bless you. Verse 13, all, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord, remember they're having this national day of fasting, as they all stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, their children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. Today we just give his social security number and be done with it. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Underline those words. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. When it says do not be afraid, do you know what it's talking about? Anxiety. When it says do not be discouraged, do you know what it's talking about? Depression. Don't give in to anxiety. Don't give in to depression. Now, some of you are in depression right now and you're going, stop messing with my head here because this is something I have no control over. No, that's not true. It's something you have little control over. It's not something you have no control over. There comes a point 
where, where as, as we grow, as we, and I'm, by the way, I'm a person who believes in doctors and believes in medication. And if it takes medication to get you stable to where you can stand off and take a look at your life, then take the pills. But there comes a point where you, you have to look and, and begin to look at it in these terms. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out there tomorrow. The Lord is with you. You're at a point where you realize that the battle is not yours. It's God's. It's God's. You know, I read a book about five weeks ago, and I keep, and I'm going to keep doing this. I'm just going to bore you to death with this, that because I know redundancy makes things happen in your brain. That that said, you need to begin to look at your life differently. Most of us look at our life as though I'm the author of a story I'm writing, and I met God, and I have to figure out how can I fit Him into my story to make my story a better story, so I'd have a better ending. And that's wrong. When I think of my life that way, my problems are my problems. And I find myself begging God to please do something about it. I'm not so sure that he wants to. And then I start getting into all this stuff about, is it God's will? Is it God's, you know, and, and all this. The author of this book said, you should realize that God is writing an epic tale called human history. And as you have responded to the Lord, he has made you a character in his story. And you have no idea what's on the next page of the story. How many of you can tell me for certain what you will be doing Thursday afternoon at 3 o'clock? How many of you know for sure what you'll be doing Today at 1 o'clock. You know, my friend Keith Matsumoto that leads worship on, on Saturday night wasn't with us last week. We, we all were worried that he was going to die. He collapsed at work and no one knew why. He spent the whole week in the hospital in tests. And, and, and he, was, he was to lead worship at the whole slate of things going on. These were his plans. This is what he was going to be doing. Bing, it's all gone. What are you going to do tomorrow? You know, what does the future hold for you? You know, I, I have a, a, a weird thing. I, I have a, a real good relationship with a publisher, and I've published several books with these people. And I, a year ago, I sent them a book proposal, and, and they, uh, they didn't buy it. Everything else, they're just hungry for it, and they didn't buy it. They, they, they shipped it back and said, we want, we want to see more. We're not buying this off an outline in one chapter, which they normally do. Give us, give us three chapters. Write the whole manuscript. Well, I got mad at them. That's not how you treat somebody. And so I just put the brakes on. I didn't do anything, you know, great Christian that I am. But then, now I, now I want to publish the book, and so I want to deal with them. And, and, and so, but now, it's, it's, see, all my little anger has turned into fear. And that's so often what happens. Remember in Ephesians a few weeks ago, we read about, you know, anger and how it really does it gives Satan a foothold in your life well now it's turned into to fear and dread and I, I can't get myself to complete this proposal and send it in and I read this book that I'm telling you about that said it's not about I'm writing the story of my life now two books here the story of my life plus whatever this other book is I'm writing it's about God's writing a story and I'm fitting into it and all of a sudden I started thinking you know what I hate writing. 
I mean, go read Stephen King. He wrote an autobiography called Stephen King on Writing. He hates writing. I mean, it's great to have your name on a book. It's great, you know, to get the check in. It's all that. But when you're writing it, you're sitting around there with all this self-hatred. You know, every author says this. Read any author. The first chapter is bing, it's fun, it's exciting, a new project. The rest of it is, nobody's going to want to read this drivel. And is So here's what I did. I, I just kind of come to, well, Lord, if it's your story that I'm supposed to be acting out, and you want me to continue as an author, well, then you'll just make that happen. I'll do my best. I'll put the thing together. I'm not going to lay back and be lazy. And I'm just going to dump it in the mail. And if they come back and say no, then I'm going surfing. <laughs> you see the difference? As soon as I come to a place where I realize that ownership of everything has to do with him, then I'm in a position where responsibility has to do with him. And all I really need to do is live a life that's in, in some semblance of obedience to him. And, and we're in partnership here. And so... As, as it says here, verse 15, listen to what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. You know, don't get anxiety-ridden. Don't get discouraged. The battle is not yours, but God's. Let it be God's. He goes on and says, Tomorrow march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. Somehow the Lord had revealed this to this man the plans of the enemy. And then he says this in incredible thing. You will not even need to fight. Just take your positions. Stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Underline those words. Stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. And again he says, do not be afraid. Don't give in to anxiety. Don't be discouraged. Don't give in to depression. Go out there tomorrow. The Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed down his face to the ground. The king gets on his knees, puts his face on the ground and prays. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. They were like a choir, and they were shouting praise to the Lord. Verse 20, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Now, notice what he's saying. You believers, believe. See, I think there's a problem that in my life is, is that, that you know, I, I, I believe the Bible. I believe in God. I believe that he answers prayer. But, but half the time when I pray... I'm not willing to, to do whatever it is in my heart, in my mind, that says, I'm, I'm really putting it on the line here. I'm going to take the risk that's called faith. I'm going to actually believe that God could do something for me. And I have a story, it's too long to tell, but I, I, I had a time when I, I had the only new car I ever had bought in my life, I went on a trip in the mountains and and we got stuck and had to put chains on the car, and I didn't know how to put them on very well. And and uh, I got the chain broke loose, and and it, and and for about 40 miles I couldn't get off the road because there's snow banked on the side of the road, and it ripped a hole in the trunk of my brand new car, my two-month-old car. And 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 I was young and poor and stupid, and I got out there and 
And I got this little Mickey Mouse welder that you can buy. Have you ever seen those things that got a settling cartridge and an oxygen cartridge and you buy them at the hardware store? And I'm out there trying to braze this thing and, and the undercoating on the body caught on fire. And, and all of a sudden, it's, it's getting dusk. It's in Southern California. I'm at the street in front of my, my apartment. And I'm welding this thing up. And I got a fire going on. And I'm inches away from the gas tank. So, you know, what do you do? You, you, you know, you, you throw water on a petroleum fire. You just spread the darn thing. And so I put it out the best way I knew how with my hands. Bing, like that. And all of a sudden, my hands are caked with melted tar. And I got this mess on, on, on my hand that just won't go away. It's just, I, I go in the house, I'm freaking out with pain. And my wife gets a, a bowl of ice and water, and they just put it in there and it numbs them. And then I take it out and I put mechanics hand cleaner on there to, you know, as long as I can to get, get it off. And then wash it in the sink, dump it back in the ice. And I just keep doing this over and over and over again. This man from our church comes over, and he's one of these Christians that... You know, I just, guys like this just drive me nuts. They just believe in the Lord about everything, you know? <laughs> and everything is just, you know, God will take care of that, you know? And, and he's kind of a boisterous guy, and I'm not a real boisterous person. And so that kind of puts me off. And I, I, I like the guy. He was a real sincere guy, but he always put me off. And so he's, he's an electrician. He was going to do some work on the church for free. And, and he come by to get a, a key to get in the building and, and sees me in this mess. And, well, let's just pray for that. The Lord will heal you right now. And so I'm already kind of going, you get away from me. And we're sitting there. And, and so I'm going through the motions. And, but, you know, this is so symbolic of my whole stinking life. I'm just going, okay, pray for me. And, and, and he's praying. And it's like, again, you know, I think God communicates my friend Robert Schuller, when I was a young man, Robert Schuller mentored me. And Robert Schuller always says, God doesn't think through buildings. God doesn't think through bricks. God doesn't think through all the church programs. God thinks through human brains. And he puts his thoughts in your mind. And I'm sitting there, and this guy's praying for me, and I'm being a hypocrite, even letting him pray, because I don't even want him to. And the Lord speaks to me in my mind and says, do you believe I can do this or not? And somehow something happened. And I don't, and then see, this is what I'm getting at. I stepped over a line. I don't know how to describe it in any other terms. I stepped over a line and said in my head, yeah, I, th I think you could do this. And the guy finished yelling his prayer. <laughs> and... I went back to, he left, I went back to start to put my hands in the ice, and all of a sudden I realized I don't have any more pain. And I looked down, and what had, had looked like I had put my hand on a, on, a, on a grill, on a barbecue, and left it there for a while. It looked like burned chicken. I look, and there's these big watery blisters. No pain. Pain had completely gone away. The, the whole shape of the thing had changed. And I, I go running out to the street because it was we lived back in the apartment. I knew it'd take him a while to get there. And I go running. Look at this. Look at this. No pain. And I never had pain. Now, there's this thing that happens where you come to a place where are you going to believe God or are you not going to believe God? And often, I confess to you, 
in my brain. And it's not even like if I actually believe you're going to think I'm weird or I'm going to believe something and it doesn't happen and then you're going to know I'm stupid. It's not even like that. It's just between me and me. You know that old saying, me, myself, and I. My trichotomous personality here. I get my, it's not about to go for this. And, and, and we just come to a place where we go, no, it's not, it, I, be, I belong to the Lord. And if I will act like I belong to the Lord in my head, then he's going to respond to me. And so he says, believe in the Lord. This is verse 20 here. He's telling believers, believe in the Lord. Step over that line. Believe in the Lord your God, and you'll be able to stand firm. Underline that sentence. Then he says, believe in your, his prophets, you'll succeed. After consulting the leaders of the people, watch this. The king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang, and it goes on and tells the words what they sang. You know, when you read the Bible, put pictures in your mind. Think the story through. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 